1: The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner.
2: Welcome into episode 250 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast alongside not the country singer, Craig Morgan. Wow, that again? Yes, that again. Okay. Look at that enthusiasm for magical
1: episode 250 and Jamie Eisner. Uh, I believe that is AZ Coyote's Insider subscriber, Jamie Eisner. To you, Luke. And, and what did you call uh, – by the way,
2: I'm Luke Lipinski. Jamie, what did you call Craig's uh, website right before we went on the air? Uh, AZ Coyote's
1: Insider or whatever the hell Craig calls the site.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> see, it's, it's a cover. It's just so in case shade. I got the site. Cause see, if I got the site name wrong, then it would have been looked really bad. But if you just say it like that. The whole thing becomes a joke and it covers for any potential incompetence that I have, which by the way, it there's a lot of potential incompetence. Yeah, you can only cover so much of that.
2: Craig, I, I have a, an idea I want to float your way, or maybe you're already doing it. But unlike Jamie, I've read every article you have on there so far because it's still free. And I noticed at, at least one point, maybe two points, you referred to people that don't follow the team as closely as outsiders. I like that. That should be a recurring theme since you're AZ Coyotes insider and then mm. people don't follow it are outsiders.
0: Um, okay. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for that recommendation, Luke.
2: <laughs> so I will assume you stumbled on that bit of genius accidentally. <laughs> Um, uh, okay. Um. Let me set the scene for everybody. This is episode 250. Uh, I think about eight of those episodes were lost because Jamie used to sabotage the show behind the scenes as opposed to in directly in the scenes as he does now. He is wherever Jamie is. I'm wherever I am. And Craig is wearing what looks to be some sort of Hello Kitty headset. What is that?
0: They don't have the cat ears today, but they are my daughter's pink headphones, yes. Okay. Uh, I ordered a Yeti mic. It has shipped, but... It has not arrived yet, so sorry for the sound quality for those who complained last week, as they do every week.
1: Um, Craig, would you mind just saying, hello, this is your captain speaking, for no reason in particular?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Craig, I think you should also uh,
1: also tell the listeners that
2: while you did order a Yeti microphone, you ended up with a Yeti thermos, and we can't tell if it's just because you ordered the wrong thing.
0: No, no. I I was gifted that Yeti thermos from... The class of 19-something that I'm not going to say on the air. Uh, Phillips Exeter Academy.
1: It sure doesn't so say There you go. start.
0: Hey, 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 hey. Wow, there's so much shade. Mm-hmm. Um, All at me. I don't know why. Yeah. No, it's just easier. The guys unemployed, and it, it seems easy to just throw stones, yeah, okay?
1: That's true. Thanks well,
0: for, Thanks for the your longest... sensitivity.
2: <laughs> it's actually more sensitivity than we typically show on this podcast. Probably. Sure. Um, For episode 250, we were going to do something amazing and celebrate, but we're still separated across the valley. But then I thought about it, guys. We have Craig's new website, and we have actual hockey. So this is really the best celebration you could have for episode 250.
0: Are you sure it's 250? Did you actually count, or are you just throwing that out there?
2: I think it's 250, and even if it isn't... (laughs) It's the first time I've ever thrown that out there. So it's not like we're like, all right, I mean, if we'll I do go this with again it. next week, no, it really we're is too close. 50. We were in the two
1: forty, So I'll, I'll believe you.
2: I went back and listened to every episode prior to this week's just to make sure. And I didn't just count them. I listened to all hour and a half of each episode to really get the full effect. And now I'm, I'm set for the show. It's like those people that watch the Marvel universe movies in in chronological order because they're bored. And oh, yeah. well, yeah, well, now that you get up at 3 a.m. Every morning, you have plenty of time to listen to the podcast over and over again. Yes, that three a.m. wake up is only happening for another week. So I'm hoping that when the NHL playoffs begin, I'll be slightly more coherent than I am now. Um, Craig, I think we should start actually with your website before we jump into the the bulk of these games. So, what what would you like to say about your project?
0: Well, I was unemployed, so I decided I needed to do something to bring in income. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And they say genius is always created out of necessity. So there you yeah, there go. There it is. There it is. So, well, it
1: remains well, to be seen.
0: As Jamie has already told you, it is called AZ Coyotes Insider. I, I think my intro post sufficiently diffused that title. I, I don't like the title Insider, but I explained sort of why I chose it. Maybe it was an awful explanation you can decide. But at any rate, I'm going to be covering the Coyotes, hopefully the very same way that I had been the past two years for The Athletic. Uh, long form is the goal there. In-depth stories. I'd still like to do some lighthearted stories, some mailbags. And I'm open to a lot of other things. I, I, the the main thing I, I guess I want to convey is that I want this to be a collaboration with readers. To an extent, of course. I'm, I'm the guy that covers the team and knows how to do that. But I do think that it allows me to be more receptive to reader input. And I'm hoping we can do that going forward. I'm hoping people will subscribe because... Clearly, that will be the lifeblood of this venture.
2: Mm-hmm. And you, how many uh, m- mock drafts would you say you're going to be doing a week?
0: Um, let's see. I'd estimate zero. Okay, good. Just power rankings? Sure. <laughs> no power rankings. Like
1: you're a power ranking, like the best left wings on the team. <laughs> and make that a weekly a week series, a week walk series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: um, I will say this. This is going to be the one nice thing I say throughout this entire show. I have read. You have four stories up there right now, right? I've read all four Correct. And you mentioned the first one in the intro, which I unintentionally read the entire thing in Will McAvoy's voice from the newsroom. I couldn't help it. It was just that was that was how it, it came across in my head. Um, but the other three are exactly what you have come to expect from Craig Morgan. And I mean that in a good way. And the one specifically breaking down the, uh, the five ways the Cowboys are going to try and get more out of their offense that is detailed stuff. You just, you're just you not going to find it anywhere else. Uh, actually, honestly, on a lot of teams, but specifically on the Coyotes. That's basically a window behind exactly what this team is trying to do as they use their three months to prepare for Nashville.
0: Thank you, Luke.
2: And that's the end of the niceties. Here we I mean, go. Yeah, that's okay. that's it goes. Um, unless Jamie wanted to say something nice. I think he tried and his computer shut down. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about I'm going
1: to feel about all that, but okay. no, no it, obviously it, it's, it's a great, it, look. if you've been following Craig Morgan all along, which if you're listening to the show, you have, you know, what you were, you've been getting throughout the years for a different outlets. You know what you've been getting from the athletic. And uh, if you want to continue getting that inside information, you want to get those stories. You want to really, I mean, I look, the number one complaint. How many times do we see it? Is that the team's not covered enough? There isn't, that doesn't get national attention. It doesn't get attention in the local market from the big newspaper, Uh, All of that stuff. Well, if you want to get that attention, you want to get in-depth information, not just the same old, you know, a story, one one feature every once in a while, and here's what the score of the game was, and all the other stuff that you can get anywhere. If you actually want to get the inside information, you want to get the feature stories, you know what what to expect from Craig Morgan from the years. You're going to get it here. Uh, And now, Craig is his own boss.
0: It's yeah, that gets interesting. <laughs> well, the readers are my bosses. I, I, in, to an extent, they are right. The, the, look, yeah. they're gonna they're they're going to be the ones that decide whether this succeeds or fails. So, again, I want to be receptive, and I want to thank all of the people who have already subscribed. Um, I, I told uh, readers that the first week would be free content. the The last piece of free content goes up tomorrow on Sunday, and then uh, everything will go behind a paywall. Almost everything on Monday. So. I just want to say again, thanks to all the people who have subscribed already, hopefully you'll jump on board when everything goes behind a paywall. It has been a very promising start
2: I gotta say too, from reading the the ones that you already have up there you they read like you um you were ready to start writing again. I know it hasn't been that long, huh. but it, they read like you were like excited to start writing again
0: I went so. a month I went a month without writing a story that was a bizarre feeling, exactly. even my vacations usually require writing, so yeah,
2: that's usually when all the breaking news happens, yeah. How, what's the longest you've ever gone without writing?
0: I mean, that, may, that, that's be, that be, may be it. Yeah. At least in recent memory.
2: I can tell you this is the longest I've gone without ice skating, and I tried rollerblading the other day. That was interesting because it's 110 <laughs> degrees outside. All right. We have hockey. Playoffs. And we have playoffs. Uh, we have hockey in three weeks from today, gentlemen. We're recording this on Saturday morning. Three weeks from today, we can all get together. I guess we can't. We can all virtually get together over Zoom and watch Penguins-Canadians. How do we feel about that?
0: I actually feel really good about it, yeah. even Penguins-Canadians. I mean, you have, to, you have to be excited about seeing the Penguins kick it off, but I mean, I'll, I'll watch any hockey at this point. I don't care. I'm really excited to just sit down and binge-watch hockey for days on end.
1: Yeah, I mean, look honestly, at this point, I'd watch a fifteen-game series between Minnesota and Detroit. Like, I don't care uh, (laughs) at at this point. I wouldn't go that far, but Uh, but I'm I'm really intrigued for a lot of reasons. Obviously, there's the is there the big overarching, you know, unless you're a fan of more of the more international sports, uh, like if you're watching, you know, soccer over in Europe or whatever. We don't really have sports right now. I know MLS kind of came back, and there are a couple games in, but for the most part, for the last few months, we haven't had anything here. Uh, in North America, or any of the major sports you have golf in the, in the you know, individual sports like golf and NASCAR, but for the team sports, I'm one, obviously that's the big intriguing thing of, I, I want to see what just get sports back there. But the other thing is I have no idea what to expect from anybody. There are so many X factors, so many unknowns, so many things that we just are not going to know until they get back on the ice. And I'm just incredibly intrigued to see what kind of product we get on the ice what the players look like when they're back on the ice, what quality of hockey we get when we're on the ice. Like, it, what is this going to look like? Is this going to look like one of those summer scrimmages or, you know, how long is it going to take for it to kind of feel like NHL hockey? And how long is it going to take to feel like Stanley cup playoff hockey? And even yeah. if it's, they mentally feel that way physically, there's no way they're going to be in the same shape. They would be if they're just continuing in from the start of a regular season. So I'm incredibly intrigued to see what kind of product we get, but just thankful and hopeful. Again, I was going to say hopeful, a lot can change, but hopeful that we're going to get some hockey back here very soon to kind of distract us from all of the other terrible things that are continuing to happen, particularly where we are in the country uh, with the coronavirus. The, uh,
2: the jump, too, from going from what we'll, we'll, at that point have been over four months of no sports locally, like you said. I know they have, like, the Premier League and all, all the uh, the major European soccer leagues are going, which is encouraging to me, honestly. The fact that they can get it together, I'm, I'm hopeful we can get it together here, or I guess even if we can't, maybe Canada can get it together and these uh, at least the NHL playoffs will go off. But the, the jump from no sports to directly into the NHL playoffs, if for me, and I would assume it's this way for you guys, too, is going to be like it's gonna be like walking somewhere in the desert and then somebody picks you up in an air conditioned Lamborghini. I mean, that is such a a jump from one to the other. It's not like we're going, Oh, we haven't had sports for a month. And now here's spring training. It's we haven't had sports for the longest time any of us has ever experienced. And we're jumping right into the Stanley cup playoffs. And I'm, you know, to to your point, I'm excited about all of these. Are we calling them first round, opening round, qualifying round, play in, play off, whatever they are. I'm excited about all of them except Minnesota and Vancouver.
0: Jamie, do you have a, an analogy you'd like to use as well? You, Luke just used the desert analogy. I, I think it's like using a traditional going from a traditional diving board to cliff diving. That's mine, okay.
1: Ooh. And yours? Um I don't I don't have a good one. You know you what know, it's, 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 it's disappointing. Like, yeah, it, it's like you know, just getting grand. into it's like just starting to learn hockey and just getting a little bit of information, and then diving into AZ Coyotes Insider, oh, really getting just a and ton it. of. So it's just like a whole different depth of information, depth of knowledge. It's gonna be a whole different depth of physicality that they're gonna have to experience after so much time off. You like that? This is my check in the mail?
0: Yeah, I, I usually don't like pandering, but I approve of this <laughs> level of pandering. I appreciate like you that.
2: fully support pandering towards you. It's just True. towards everybody else. True. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Back to backs. For actually every series. Every series has them. I know it's been talked about like some of them don't. They all do, but like Chicago and Edmonton, they wouldn't occur until games four and five. So I guess if Edmonton sweeps Chicago, then they uh, or more likely when Chicago sweeps Edmonton and Stan Bowman gets a contract extension. And Ouch.
0: There's the <laughs> my bell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the back-to-back. This is an interesting one. I was I was asking around and there were – there was a preponderance of people who did not think that there would be back-to-backs with the the amount of days that we had. But I was hearing from someone that we were going to have back-to-backs and three and four. The thing that this underscores for me is the importance of having goaltending depth. And I wrote about this in the Darcy Kemper feature. I I didn't know this was going to be the case, but I I, I floated the idea that if they have to play back-to-backs in three and four, you may have to go to your backup goalie. The way way Rick Tockett, laid this out for me. He said he's treating it like the start of a season. Of course, there's more urgency because it's the playoffs or the qualifying round, whatever you want to call it. But there are no teams that will ride their number one goalie right out of the gate when they start a season. Now, you may change that thinking because it's the qualifying round, but can you put that sort of strain on your number one goalie? Darcy Kemper hasn't played a game in 20 – We well, won't have played a game until he steps onto the ice for an exhibition game for 20 weeks – and suddenly, you're going to throw him into three games in four days. And wow, what do we have behind us here? What do we
1: have? This is great. Uh, I'm, being, I'm being attacked by a cat. Her name is Storm. <laughs> Storm.
0: Tell us a little bit about Storm, Jamie.
1: Uh, she, we've, we commonly refer to her as Baby Cat. And currently, she decides she doesn't want to eat any of her dry food anymore because she's a prima donna and only wants wet food. So. This is coming from a guy who won't drink hot drinks. And uh, I, what is I it? tried
2: it a couple times in the last few months. And are you more than a few months old? You yeah. are. <laughs> so, so you deserve <laughs> the cat that you got. What is your rule on desserts, too? You don't like good desserts no hot, or something? Yeah, no hot desserts. Oh, okay. Just no no hot desserts are dessert. dessert. trash. All right. I also like that the cat, uh, when when it appeared, made sure to... Like, it said something, so it got on
1: the podcast. Yeah. It,
0: Chocolate star, chip right. cookies out of the oven? You won't eat those? You'll wait till they cool?
1: No, I'll wait, I'll wait till... Yeah, I'll wait till they cool. I, I uh, that's, like yeah. that's, oh, that's... Yeah. There's, wow. something, there's I, something I wrong have this there. weird, like, desire that my dessert must be cold. or I, I can deal with room temperature if it's the right... You know, if it's like a cookie or something, but I like cold desserts. There you have it. That explains
2: a lot, too, doesn't it, Craig? Jamie likes his chocolate chip cookies worse than everybody else likes them. That's, that's Luke, I'd cool. like to see
0: you get this back to the discussion we were on. What's what's the segue here?
2: Well, I'll tell you what the, the, the discussion is. Uh, when you look at a team with uh, depth in goaltending, that's like a hot chocolate chip cookie, and the teams that only have one bona fide starter, that's like eating them at room temperature, as Jamie likes. Uh, that That's
1: hurtful. It reminds uh, me how the penguins have?
2: <laughs> they don't have have decide it right now.
1: <laughs> how do we? How do we know any consistency with their goaltending when we haven't seen them play in four months? But we don't. Um, we, don't we,
2: we really don't know anything except I would say this: Toronto for the longest time only had Frederick Anderson, and I think a team like that has okay, no chance. But they got Jack Campbell. So,
1: so, so is Frederick Anderson going to play all five games? <laughs> I are like just going to say screw it. Is that team. Do work? you do
0: seriously? What do you do in this situation? Because you're also assuming that. Your goalies are going to be, uh, if, you, if you're going to ride a number one, is he even ready to play at this point? How, how good are those guys going to be after a 20-week layout? That's that's the other well, one of many crazy variables in this play-in round.
1: Yeah, and to me, is if the teams that have the back-to-backs in games four and five, that's when things get interesting because those are elimination games – Are you sure you're going to – let's say you win game four with that goalie. You're not going back to that same goalie that that kept you alive in the postseason series for the do Mm -hmm. or die game five. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's – those are like early in the series, like I believe what the Coyotes Nationals, what, games two and three? I mean, I guess game three could possibly be an elimination game, but – for the most part, it's, it's likely that both teams have won at some point, but at that point. So then it's a little bit easier of a decision in theory and just in a macro point of view. Even if you take out the fact that they have two really good goalies, it's a little bit easier of a decision to make there versus when you have to play two back-to-back elimination games where it's like, well, you'll get a lot of rest if we lose. So go out there
0: yeah and to me you know and you'll hear a lot of people say this too maybe it's not even the back-to-backs but it's that third game in four days are you really going to throw your guy back out there again and what if that's an elimination game what do you do then it's it's really putting a, a strain on coaching decisions
2: it you know for i'll look at the penguins canadian series they have the three games in four days to close out the series so games three game three is one day and then there's a break and then four and five so at that point you know, you, you, for me, I'm just, I'm riding my hot goalie as long as he'll take me. Now, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm switching in, in the second round, maybe game two of the second round, like from the Coyotes perspective. If Kemper comes out and plays well, well, he's playing the whole first series and for as long as he's playing well. I understand that's unconventional, but at the same time, and I'm saying like if he comes out and is dominant, I'm just not going to switch away from it. But at right. some point, yeah, you would have to. Once you get to a seven game series, you have a little more wiggle room to say, okay, let's make sure we get Ronta going because, we're not we, we don't want to run Kemper completely into, into the ground or whoever your number 1 starter is whatever team although we did see Kemper start how many games in a row last year i know it was later in the year but it was like 7 right, well, in a row
0: that's the thing though he was in a groove at that point and you you just can't expect a guy to be in that sort of groove they're not going to get i don't i don't know what the exhibition schedule looks like yet but it's a tight camp you're not going to get the same sort of play that you would in the preseason and then you're just going to throw him in it, i just can't see it happening he's,
1: he's been, what four games since christmas yeah yeah it's, it's it's and then and then, july
0: what about what about if, if you do get through this first round this qualifying round rather and you you're having to play such a condensed schedule what what's the impact on the next round to do do teams that have that round off is that a massive advantage for yes. them in terms of fatigue?
2: Absolutely. It, it, maybe it won't be in the second round. I, I want to yeah. see how, how these uh, seeding, these, uh, the round-robin games go yeah. for those teams that have a first round, but I don't know how intense those are going to be. So maybe some of them get upset in that that their first round, but the second round, I guess, of these playoffs. But I, I continue, and I know I, I've gotten this pushback from people. Of, no, this is a crazy year. Some team that is a, an eight seed is going to go all the way and win the Cup. I don't think a team's winning five series with the way – Five series in general is insane, but when you have the schedule condensed like this, the only way I could see a team that's playing in this qualifying round actually win the cup is if they sweep whoever they're playing in the qualifying round and then win in, the, in that next round in like five games.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. And I, I also think when people worry about statistics being broken because a team can play five series, we're not going to see that happen. No team, I, I don't think any team is going to run from the qualifying round all the way to the cup final.
2: I think we are going to see a lot of surprises in these opening two rounds because, again, they've had four months off. So we saw Columbus come back and and sweep Tampa last year. That was a huge surprise. Nothing this year could surprise me more than that because nobody's played in four months. But I I just – I don't know that I see a team winning five series. It wouldn't shock me if, like, two of the final four teams in in the entire tournament are teams that are playing in in this qualifying round. But I just don't see a team holding up the cup outside of those top eight unless, like I said – you go on a, on a run in these first two rounds where you are basically sweeping your opponents to, to get some extra time off.
1: Yeah, and I think not only that, but look at the teams that are going to be in the, the round-robin round. I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of unknowns, but... Talent still is going to matter. I know maybe there's going to be some early ones where we're like, oh, let's see what happens and everybody might be rusty. But like, look at what Tampa, look at what Boston, look at what St. Louis toward the end of the year, like the, even the, even as hard, hard as it, for me to say Colorado, look at what those teams were doing. They're not all of a sudden bad teams now because it's been four months. Like, I, there, there's no advantage to being having to play an extra series. So uh, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think any team gets to the cup final uh, that, that we'll, we'll be playing in this opening round. One question I want to ask you guys before we get off this topic about goaltending in this round is: if you have, let's say, a clear number one, let's say Florida, for example, how quick is your hook in some of these games if things are going bad, knowing that we need to get this goaltender all the rest that we have? If it's like, well, you know, Bobrovsky allows two goals in the first five minutes, are you yanking him at that point, saying, "Well, not his night, but we need to need him the other four games of this series, so let's just get him out of here now"? Or do you just say, or do you just roll with it because it is an abridged series?
0: I don't think it's two goals, but, you know, if it if it gets out of hand in the first period, if, he, if a guy gives up four goals in the first period, yeah, you might want to think about that at that point and come back. Because, you know, there's going to be a motivating factor for that guy as well, and you definitely want them rested. If you give up four goals in the first period, that game's a wash anyway, so why not rest him?
2: Yeah, that's, that's what's going to be so strange here, and it, it's different, obviously, for a team like Florida. They're probably the best example now because they really just have their one guy. And a lot of these teams, the Coyotes have have a, a potentially great duo in net, but a lot of teams in, in 2020 have two goalies that they're pretty comfortable with. Um, I just don't think you can get cute in this qualifying round, and I guess that sort of goes back to you want to get both goalies on your roster playing or you don't want to ride one of them and, and run them into the ground. I think that all kicks in. After the qualifying round, I think a best of five is something that we just don't see in hockey. And if one game gets away from you, I mean, any of these, who do you think is the biggest favorite in the opening round? If they lose game one, you don't feel good about them after that, because then they still haven't really found their footing and they have to win three of the next four games. Yep. Uh, anything else on the schedule before we i, I do like the fact that the round robin teams don't have any back-to-backs that opening i mean they shouldn't but i like the fact that they've get they get a, a decent amount of a break between games because
1: over the course of the season they they did earn that I think one thing it's worth noting is with the, the time scheduling. Uh, usually the NHL makes some questionable decisions about a lot of things. Uh, or like teams like Major League Baseball, who decides they don't want to play any day games to fight, despite the fact that everybody's home uh, on, <laughs> on uh, quarantine. But uh, the times right now for the playoff schedule each day, especially days where there's six games of 12 Eastern, 2 Eastern, 4 Eastern, 6 Eastern, 8 Eastern, and 10 Eastern, is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean yeah. you have wall to wall and if you're out on the west on the West Coast in Pacific time from nine AM until nine thirty PM, you have wall to wall playoff hockey. Uh, and, this, and that the, and then you can basically watch the majority of all of these games as well without them running over each other. So you may you might miss the first period starts of these games, but you can watch periods two and three of pretty much every single playoff game uh, the way it's currently structured. And I think that's absolutely phenomenal. That is a great decision by them. And it's going to be really fun um, to, to see it in that format where they don't have all these games running on top of each other. And you really are catching five minutes of one playoff game because you were trying to watch a different playoff game. Uh, this is going to be a tremendous opportunity, especially the way they have the schedule structured to, maybe generate some more fans. I know at the time where this is going to happen, they're going to start to run up on when baseball is back and when some of the other things are happening. But if baseball is not going to play their games until 7 o'clock Eastern that night, you're already going to have three completed games, if not four completed games, by the time they throw a first pitch. So that is a, that's an incredible advantage for them. The, the baseball move was, was
2: mind-boggling, and I have, still haven't heard a good reason for why they did it, but whatever, I don't care. Because for the NHL to, to do the, the right thing here, and and spread those games out over the course of the entire day i, I do think there is you know it's, it's like when the world cup not of hockey but of soccer comes around every four years and we all know a lot of people that aren't really big soccer fans but they get into it because the games are at noon and, and obviously there's some of the if the u.s is in it there's some of that but it's just the novelty of if you're around and there's sports on during the day and they're live and they're a big deal you kind of get into it and we we know i mean the stanley cup playoffs tend to capture people's attention if they start watching. Once they start watching, they get you know caught up in the intensity of it, and it's going to be different this year without the fans and all that. I get that, and the quality of play is not going to be as good probably right out of the gate. But simply being able to showcase your game at noon when there are no other sports on, and everybody's still stuck at home. I mean, even driving around now to, to work, I'm still not hitting traffic. So people are still at home. Yeah, who isn't going to flip sports on? And the NHL, like you said, Jamie, they may have to go up against the NBA a little bit during the day but we'll see. We don't know how anything's going to play out yet, but I am ecstatic about that. And I'm honestly probably going to take a week off of work just to sit at home and watch hockey all day, every day because it can't go anywhere anyway.
0: Truth. Truth. I'm all in.
2: How can you not be?
0: Yeah. I I don't know. Uh, Well, some players won't be Uh, Travis Hamedic to begin with. And I I expect some other names are going to come out as well. Um, And, Look, that we we can have this discussion on, on whether that's right or wrong. I think a lot of people are fans of, of those particular teams are going to react angrily when they see that a player on their team has chosen not to participate in, in the postseason. But I think we're all in agreement. you got to respect these guys' decisions with what's going on in the world right now. They have to... They have to look out for their safety and the safety of their family first and foremost. It's, it's their decision to make. Clearly the league is okay with this, but I, I got I to gotta tell you, even even saying all that, I still wonder what sort of mental fallout will be created with the coaching staff when a player opts out. What, what, do you look at a guy differently when he's told you that he's not going to be a part of the team for this critical point of the season?
1: So there's the question of should you or would you? Um, the yeah. Should, is, the answer is clearly no. Would, I, I think the answer is going to be a lot of people will say yes. Uh, yeah. Whether they'll admit it publicly or not, probably not. But um, those things do, I mean, we, we've all covered sports, we've covered different sports. Those things get said where it talks about somebody's manhood or their passion for the game or do they have outside interests, all those other things, that stuff all comes up and it's all talked about. And a lot of times it's old school BS thinking, but it shouldn't be there, but it's going to be there for some. Um, I think that's going to come up and I think it's going to depend on the caliber of player. Uh, For example, um, I know there's there, I'm blanking on his name right now, but one of the baseball players uh, that come back to places, I kind of don't want to play but I can't afford to sit out because I'll I this'll I'll probably be out of baseball. Like if, yeah. if I don't play this year, my career's probably over. And I, there are a lot of NHL players are gonna be on that in that same boat of if if they don't come back and play and maybe they're on the end of the deal, maybe they're you know, a, a bench guy, a fourth liner, a seventh defenseman, they might they're like, you know what? I'm gonna not get another deal if I don't come back. So that's gonna happen. Um you know it depends on the caliber of a player if it's a top player then i don't think anybody's going it'll, it'll be a big news story but nobody's going to be like well i'm not i'm not going to sign you know taylor hall now or i'm not going to sign uh, connor mcdavid now because he said he doesn't want to play like but fans are going to be mad at that point the bigger sure, the name the angrier the fans are going to be but but the fans are going to be mad about anything and i think there there's a reasonable understanding i think that you have to have of as much as you love your team, as much as you love your sport, you are asking other human beings to take a risk for your entertainment. And you have to understand when they say, I'm not going to do that right now. I think a lot I think of it you have to be reasonable about
2: that. I think a lot of it has to do with timing too. Like Travis Hamannick said that he's not going to play more than three weeks before the first game. If somebody opts out like five hours before game four or something, then yeah, there's going to be more, more frustration at least internally, because then you're scrambling. I, I, I don't know if I'm being overly optimistic, but I think the NHL has by far the best shot at, at pulling this off. And I don't think a lot of guys are going to opt out. I really don't. It, it's it's for a few reasons. First of all, like if you're going to use Hammonick as, as the example, cause he's the first one, he's got a very specific personal reason as to why he's pulling out. So I don't, I don't necessarily expect a lot of guys to look at him and be like, well, if he's pulling out, maybe, maybe this isn't for me either. He's got a very specific personal family reason why he's doing it. Now, I'm sure other guys will opt out, but the other thing is, you guys know that hockey mentality, and especially when you're this close to the Stanley Cup, that's different than asking the whoever, the, the
1: Baltimore Orioles' fourth outfielder to come back. Sure. I, I think there's, there's, there's a couple different dynamics here, because I think if there's one, and every player's opted out for a different reason. But the kind of prevailing theme is usually it's a player that has either a small child or a pregnant wife or or something like that line where there's concern about their family and their kids. It's not a lot of we're not seeing a lot of single guys like hey, I don't feel comfortable with me playing. Now you yeah. might get some of those at some point, but we've kind of seen that trend. But to me, I also look at at a couple instances, and you know, the NHL has this this screening method of if of trying to essentially filter out high risk players i do, i have some questions about whether the steven stamkos is of the world the max domi's of the world the Capo kakos of the world because of in Stamkos' case his his history of blood clots and in domi and kakos case their that they're diabetics that that are they going to feel comfortable playing or and is the league going to feel comfortable playing especially if players start if and when players start testing positive that creates another dynamic there. And I think if, if those players at the last minute have to make a decision to opt out because they have not only just the regular health concerns that any human being has around this virus, but elevated concerns, given their medical history, it's going to happen. Now the other side of it is, I don't know if you saw, but Steven Stamkos is hurt. Uh, that kind of came yeah. out uh, as well. And, and he's going to be limited. So we'll see what he, what he gets in. But it, to me, it, it's just, there, there's a lot of unknown, but I, I think to, to your point, Luke, I think the vast majority of players that are going to say, I am personally willing to take the risk. I think the line of delineation between who plays and who doesn't is going to be whose families are at risk, or whether they have young children, or, or their wife is pregnant, or they're trying to have a kid. I think that is going to be, because we have seen that with the other sports, that seems to be the line that, that's the do not cross line for most of the players that have made that decision of going, you know what, I, I, I'm going to sit this one out because of this. That is the most common reason we have seen so far. I would say percentage-wise, I expect the
2: NHL, and this is just my own personal opinion, but I would expect the least percentage of NHL players to opt out as opposed to the other sports. And obviously, I think we all expect baseball to have the highest percentage. But what I would just say is, again, remember with how close they are and that just that that mentality that is driven into your head at an early age if you play hockey about how it's all about the Stanley Cup, if a guy does opt out at this point, he probably has a pretty good reason. I don't think anybody wants to opt out being this close because at this point they're all, they're all pretty much equally these 24 teams in their mind as competitors. They, they all feel like they have a a legitimate shot at winning the Stanley cup this year. 23 in Montreal. Okay. (laughs) That's true. I was was trying to, to figure out a way to work Montreal in there and I just couldn't. But now that I said that they'll probably be Pittsburgh.
0: Either side way, note then. on this. Side note on this is that Travis Hamonic will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So is is this his last? Has he played his last game with the Calgary Flames?
1: I think he has, anyway. Just yeah. given their cap yeah. situation, but yeah,
0: twenty um, nine year old right handed defenseman though. He'll he's get signed. Gonna, yeah, he's going to have a market.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think one or two teams might look at him. He hasn't been as dynamic as he was when he a couple years prior to going to Calgary, but he's still a damn good player. He, he's yep. going to be fine. He's not. I don't think he's going to lose any money relative to whatever the cap situation is because it's a flat cap. But I don't think he's going to lose any extra money because he is sitting out, especially given the thoughtful uh, statement that he released uh, via his agency last night.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess my advice to those guys would just be don't read any of the comments back on Twitter. Not that they're all they're all bad, but there's that's where you're going to get the anonymous person that's just mad about everything that's going to be mad about somebody for trying to do what they feel like is best for their family. And again, I would say anybody, any player that's opting out at this point, they're not doing it because they don't want to play hockey. There's, there's something else that they, uh, they're dealing with. Jamie mentioned Steven Stamkos hurt. Um, Edmonton is going to be the site of the Stanley Cup, which that was never going to be the case unless something like this happened because they're Edmonton. And Craig's question in the notes, which I think is, is a very valid one, how are you supposed to make any sort of predictions right now on the way this tournament's going to play out?
1: You
0: I think I mentioned this to you, Jamie. I, I want to talk to people in Vegas. You know, that We're seeing odds already. We're seeing all sorts of things coming out on the NHL. But when you have, again, a four-month layoff, you have mostly fully healthy rosters, you have no home ice advantage except for maybe two teams, but not even they have their fans in the stands. How the heck do you handicap these playoffs? I have no idea.
1: So my, my best estimate here, uh, because I believe it or not, I actually had to write about these odds. Let me see, back on uh, May 26th, um, <laughs> these the Stanley Cup odds. Wow. Um, looking at what was released, at, based on my perception, again, this is, this is not a fact, this is my opinion, but looking at the odds based on my perception is there were no extenuating factors considered beyond what the talent level of the team was when they stopped playing. Um, so I, now these odds have probably changed. off to double check what they are. But at the time, you know, like the Leafs were were heavy favorite, were you know minus one sixty favorites over Columbus, which was expected. Pittsburgh heavy favorite over Montreal, which was expected. There was really nothing in here um you know there was really nothing in here that like the Islanders Florida which we think could be an interesting close series that was very interesting and close as well in in the odds so same thing with Winnipeg Calgary where they just did not make a choice they were just minus 110 on both sides so there wasn't a lot of discrepancy there was nothing that in the odds I'd looked at and said they think there's a specific advantage that we're not thinking of right now so to me I think they're guessing essentially for round 1 um the hockey doesn't have the same sort of handle. Uh, I mean, even when that any of these other bigger sports ever, and nothing is what like the NFL. Like even when there was only uh, like one, only only the UFC fights happening, they were still not even matching the dollar amount these sports books were seeing on a typical normal 10 a.m. game on NFL Sunday. So they have a little wiggle room here, where it's not like they're they're worried about being inundated with so many bets and then and then getting beat uh, a bad beat here. But they're probably guessing, and they're probably basing all of this on the early rounds. And I imagine you're going to see start to see, not only because it's a five game series, but because of the unknowns, a dramatic shift after games one and two. Like you're going to see massive shifts in series prices just because they're all going to be scrambling to adjust. I think this round, and even next round, because we still don't know what those other teams are going to look like despite their playing games, their exhibition games, their, their, their tune up games. I know there's some seeding differences that are going to be there, but I don't think they're accurate representations of what those. By those second round teams are gonna look like when they actually have to start playing for real when their season's on the line. So I think you're gonna see in these first two series a lot of weird numbers or a lot of numbers that look like, oh, this is just what it would have been if they just would have played the playoffs normally. So I don't think we're gonna to start to get actual sharp numbers from the sports books until we at least get to round to round three. Then I think at that point, there'll at least be a little bit of a base where we've seen all of these teams play. Some of these teams might have been played double-digit games at that point. Then there'll be a little bit better understanding of okay. I think we kind of have a feel for what these teams are right now.
2: Nothing's going to surprise me in the first round as I, I look through these and I'm, I'm trying to think like yeah, there's there's certain series and and Jamie just rattled them off of you know you'd expect one team is significantly better than the other team. But what's the five twelve in the West? The five twelve is Edmonton and Chicago, isn't it? I don't in a five game series. I don't think Edmonton is significantly better than Chicago after a four month break. The only thing that I could see shocking me in the first round is if a team like toronto goes up two nothing on columbus and then columbus wins three in a row that's about the only thing none of the actual results from that from that qualifying round are going to surprise me a lot of these are pretty even matchups calgary and winnipeg was an even matchup even if we had just continued on uh, like normal and gotten there in april like we should have same with florida islanders two very different types of teams but Ultimately, probably pretty even. Rangers-Carolina, they were, what, two points separated b- between them? Coyotes and Panthers, or uh, Predators, are a pretty, pretty even series as well. I, just nothing's going to shock me in that qualifying round. What about you, Craig?
0: No, I, I'm completely on board. I have no idea what to expect. This feels like the most wide-open postseason I've ever seen. And again, going back to what we said earlier, I don't see a team running five rounds. But early on especially, I think it could get pretty crazy in the NHL.
2: Yeah, and I do think, I mean even after the qualifying round, that that first yeah. rounder, we're going to yeah. have to come up with that anything goes in that round too because those yeah. those other teams have played three round robin games that didn't really mean anything.
0: Right. In, so you in four you could jump on them quickly, right? The, the, the team that just won its previous round could just be rolling at that point and they might jump on that other team quickly and and get a, a quick advantage.
1: Yeah. And to the point we talked about before about nobody from the qualifying round, probably not only winning the cup, but making it there right now, the best odds of a team that's going to be playing in round one uh, right now are the Penguins at the have the eighth best odds at 12 to one to win the cup. So the top seven options are all teams that are not playing on round one. I'll just, I'll stay on record and we're going to do predictions and and break
2: down these series a little bit next week and the following week. and We'll go through each, uh, each conference, but I, it wouldn't shock me completely if one of those teams gets there, but I just don't see a team that's playing in that qualifying round actually winning the cup because I think they're going to be so beat up by the end of the third round that it's going to be tough to just keep going. We see this every year. The teams that have to play a seven game series in round one and a seven game series in round two, yeah, sometimes you win the cup, but you're just, it's a war of attrition in, in, in a normal year in the NHL. And to come out of four months off to playing a best-of-five series, and then four best-of-seven series. These games are going to get physical, even if the first couple games aren't. Teams are going to be too beat up to go that deep. Uh, Labor Peace through (laughs) 25-26. I'm borderline speechless on this.
0: That's the biggest news, isn't it? I I know hockey's back and everyone's excited about that, but Labor Peace through 25-26, that's insane, especially when you look at the NHL's track record.
2: Yeah. I I can't remember the last time that they negotiated a CBA successfully without any sort of lockout or at least a a looming threat of a lockout. And they finally do it in the middle of a global pandemic while it's lumped in with a a plan to restart your sport. It took baseball three months just to figure out how to restart their sport. And we're not even sure they have figured it out. The NHL quietly did two things at once. They were like, well, we're not doing anything else. Let's just work out the CBA too. And it's done through 2026. I, I, this is stunning how relatively easily they did it.
0: No question, but when you when you start diving down into the details, and and I, I suggest if if you want to do so, James Myrtle from the Athletic has a what I consider an essential read up today uh, that really dives down into the details of what you can expect both short term and long term the implications of the CBA. It's worth reading, but there are a lot of talking points off of this. Um, we've all seen that the 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 cap is going to be flat next season and. It's going to be fixed at eighty one point five million, and then it's going to be dependent on NHL revenue. Um, you, you can, like I said, you can read more of the details on that if you want. But it is, it is amazing how how far out they're planning and how how much they have had to plan for a catastrophic situation in the future. If we don't have fans again, league revenue clearly is not going to grow, and that's going to have serious implications for the players and for the owners.
1: Yeah, this, this is a good uh, introduction for those that haven't been paying attention to how escrow works in professional mm. sports because that stuff doesn't get talked about very often. Uh, we always hear just contract numbers and just assume that that player gets that exact amount of money every single year, whatever their paychecks are, are given. Uh, because I, I, it's going to be an extended period where they're going to have to, with an extended, uh, with an elevated amount of escrow that's going to have to go uh, from players uh, players' contracts into escrow because who knows? I mean, I know. Look, we we we've seen the tentative dates for next season and when that could start, but that's still starting in the year 2020. So that doesn't necessarily. I, I if we've seen anything, this doesn't just mysteriously just go away like some have said it would. Um, you know, in power that have powerful positions that said it would, but um, <laughs> it, it's going to be a factor that's going to you know bleed into next season. It's going to affect revenue. You're, they're not going to have full stadiums. They might have. They might be able to. Things are perfect they might be able to have partial stadiums at that point partial capacity but they're not going to have full stadiums and they don't have the same type of television deals that MLB has that really buoys the top teams they don't have the deals the NFL has because the NFL is the king of everything so it's going to be a major it's going to be a huge huge factor and the fact that you know the cap might not be going up but that's not the biggest factor for a lot of the players the fact is they're going to have the less of they're going to get less of their paychecks in the short term because they're going to have to make up for long term, and I don't know how long it's going to take. How many years of thirty five percent escrow is going to take to get back to even? Because we just don't even know when even will happen. Like, can, I mean, they could legitimately not play next season with fans. Like, it's yep. not out of the realm of possibility. Well, so, or at least at the start, because
2: next season is supposed yeah. to begin December first, right? I mean, I've seen like yep. ten different dates, but I believe currently we're yeah. settled on December first. And, and obviously, you know, the draft is pushed around now, and free agency, and, and the schedule is completely, you know. Uh, it's just completely out of whack now for whenever the, this current season ultimately ends uh, in October at some point. So there's all that there is, and we can get more into over the next, you know, few weeks and months, I guess, who the, uh, the salary cap being stuck, which teams that hurts the most when we start to figure out who's actually going to test free agency and everything. But uh, the Olympics are back in play. Um, I think we all kind of expected that, the players were going to at least push hard for that. Uh, We didn't expect these circumstances when they didn't go to the last Olympics, obviously, but that's clearly important to the players. I think it was a big part of, of, you know, they get something that is able to help make this negotiation work and play out. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say stunned, but I'm just, I'm really surprised the fact that they were able to work the, the, the CBA into all this. And it's also kind of frustrating now knowing that they were able to do it, why they couldn't do it the last three times, but whatever. And I guess it doesn't matter at this point, but Craig, anything else stand out to you in terms of the actual CBA, the immediate impact that's going to have?
0: Well, I just to further your point. I mean, I, I think the urgency of the situation, everybody realizes they they stand to lose a lot of money. So that probably drove a lot of the urgency here, but in light of that, the NHL is going to need to drive new income. Uh, they're going to have to get a, a, a new US TV deal. Seattle's expansion will obviously help, but maybe it's finally time for the NHL to embrace gambling and the revenue streams that can create.
1: And, and I and think they, might. they will. I think they will now with it becoming legal in more states. You know, Colorado yep. now, now it's legal, and there's more. I think there's about a dozen states with it likely going to be on the ballot in November. You have to get creative. Um, and I, I think fans of some, some of the things that they might not like in terms of advertising have to be understanding of this is the price that needs to be paid. If you not want to jersey. watch hockey. That, that, I've, I had
2: this discussion the other day. I'm fine. If you got to advertise, I mean, certainly if there's not gonna be fans, whatever, put a tarp up that's advertising over the seats, or if you want to superimpose them, I don't really care how you do it. If you want to put advertising on the pants or even the helmet, whatever, but the two places to me that are are sacred in sports that you can't put advertising are a hockey sweater and
1: an NFL helmet. Those are the two places where I won't stand for it. Well, they're go- it's going to happen, so get yourself prepared for it because they're All going right, well, to put your, they're going to put a uh, patch on jerseys because every other league is doing it, and the NHL is not going to be able to stay out of that fray for a while. What you oh, say? Patch, by are you way- saying patch on the sleeve, or are
2: you saying like right? Like no, I don't like, don't like soccer upper, jerseys like here. Yeah. Okay. I, don't want, I don't want to see the obnoxious
0: advertising no, no, no. all over the jerseys no. either. But, yeah, I agree with Jamie. Uh, that's a like you a have hatch. to go down. Yeah, like, that's, like- that's, a, that's something you have to explore
1: like where you'd put a sticker if you were on like a, a work conference, you know, remember those, but like that, that type of thing. It's not going to, it's not going to replace the logo. I don't think you want anything like that. I'm
0: having a hard time getting past that image. Hi, my name is Jamie Eisner.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> Hi, my but name is. Whoever. You're going to see that. Um, I also Elias
1: think Patterson. it's possible that um, I, for the longest time thought they were going to put ads on the back bottom of the Jersey, which is why they outlawed the tuck a couple of years ago. I've always thought that was the, the reason behind that that they wanted ads on, like, the tail of the jerseys there. Um, I'm not good with this. And, and here's and but, the thing that, oh, by the way, they're going to put ads on the ice, too. So
2: Yeah, I yeah. don't mind that so much. It's just, the, to me, the jerseys in hockey and the helmets in, in football are iconic. And, and, and even going back to, like, when I was a kid, when I'm four or five years old and I'm starting to watch sports, that that's the first thing I noticed was the NFL helmets and the NHL jerseys. And I, I understand what you're saying about they may have to put a patch on the sleeve because of what's going on right now my frustration and we all know this is true is if they put a patch on the sleeve right now when things are back to normal that patch is not coming off that's well they're, just they're gonna not going be another...
1: back. those are never going away period but i think that was inevitable whether or not this virus happened like that they were going to do that because yeah, but leagues Gary don't Metman leave is, re- met don't, has been pretty against it for a while they are but leagues don't leave major revenue streams on the table particularly when the other leagues in their in their country or in their region do the same thing it might not have been this quick, but they were going to do it eventually. And now they're gonna kinda of be ha- they're kinda have to do it. I'm also curious to see how much this the I don't believe Seattle's expansion fee has been paid yet, right? Does anybody know that? Is that gonna be a factor in too? Because you know that the check that all of the teams usually get when the expansion fee comes in is I mean, will that help yeah, a little bit? I, I don't yet. know. Uh, so, they don't even have a name yet, so I don't think they've paid yet.
2: Oh, silence. Wow. Okay. Uh, do we want to switch over here to the Coyotes a little bit? I, like I said, we'll play yeah. the actual series going forward. but uh. I,
0: I, I think so. I, I, I think there's a, uh, a very great opportunity for Target to – Choose the four attacking zone face-off circles and and start advertising there. Though, oh, look at that. Sure. Okay, see, it would be subtle, right? It, it would still work. You know, that it one would mean,
2: be a yeah. lot better than yeah, like a I don't know that that logo would at least kind of fit in on the ice. I mean, there is advertising like, on the ice, like be. Jimmy Johns or
0: something. <laughs> yeah,
1: and and I think we're going to see that the stuff that we start to see, like I believe uh, uh, Comcast Chicago does it. I think I'm not sure which all the stations do it, but with the digital advertising behind the nets. Uh, on TV yeah, broadcasts, yeah. Yeah, that I think that's too. that's. I think that's going to be universal. But that's all stuff
2: I think you can do before you actually put anything on the jersey. Oh, and correct. I, don't, I, don't saying, I don't think I don't think they're going to stop that. that, that it's going to happen. Yeah, no, I know. There's there's no really. I don't want it.
1: I'm not saying it I want like it. Sounds like
2: Jamie wants it. No, Jamie I'm wants just, it. an advertisement for napkin. Jamie on the front of the Colorado Avalanche well, jersey.
1: No, if we if we get like the the Seattle Natty Hatties and like our just, like a picture of our three collective faces is the front of the jersey. <laughs> you have uh, to buy a lot more. You to buy a lot more subscriptions to AC Coyotes Insider before we can do that. But um, we but need to get in on in this, mind. though. Yeah, this yeah. is
2: this is smart. What 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 team would be most likely to take on a Natty Hatty patch on their jersey? Like, which team is the most just? They would do it because out of sympathy or pity, or they just did whatever. They in Detroit? Are we at that I'm, point? I'm gonna go with none.
1: Ottawa. Okay. All right. All
2: right. All
1: right. Ottawa. Yeah. I mean, Melnik needs every penny he can get, so.
2: If we offered Ottawa $15 per game right now, do you think they would take it? <laughs> um, all right, Craigie, you wrote the, the piece. I don't want to give away everything you wrote, although it's free, so I guess I can't. Yeah, it's but, free right now. Yeah, you can. It'd be better if you uh, explained it, though. How the Coyotes can score more, because obviously that is priority number one for them as they head into a series with Nashville, who's got a pretty good defense and goaltending.
0: Well, I had a long conversation with Rick Tockett, uh, several conversations that I've had with him recently, but – they they were not idle during this break. They they spent a lot of the time analyzing their own team, obviously scouting other teams, including Nashville, to get prepared for the postseason. But they wanted to look at what they were doing well, what they could do better, and and obviously scoring more goals is a is a big desire for this team. They finished twenty-third in the NHL in the seventy games they played at about two point seven one goals per game, I think it was. Going through video analysis and and, and listen, none of these are like uh reinventing the wheel sorts of solutions. It's just sort of reemphasizing some things that they tried to do, but maybe got away from. They identified at least five key areas where they could help. As Rick Tockett put it, add 0.3 more goals per game to this team. And that magically would get them to three goals per game. You hear so many coaches say it's a three, two league. Well, if they can get 0.3 more goals out of this team per game, they're at three goals per game. And it, it also would have jumped them into the middle of the pack in scoring in the NHL, right behind Nashville, interestingly enough. So, those five areas were uh, activating the weak side defenseman more. And that's not just, you know, when you're on the breakout or in the neutral zone, there, there are ideas that you can read about in this story. I'm not going to read the entire story, but in the offensive zone as well, getting them involved, making it a five man cycle, but getting that D really to jump up and be more involved in the play so that you can have essentially another forward or more people attacking. You of course have to choose your spots. You got to have full possession of the puck first. You have to make accurate reads so that you're not, you know, going to give up on odd bad rush the other way because you made a bad decision, but that's one way. Power play cohesion, I think everybody understands what I mean there. Their power play really wasn't that bad. It, it finished middle of the pack in the NHL, but there were periods of time where it was just god-awful. They couldn't gain entry to the zone. They turned the puck over. They weren't shooting enough. There were a lot of problems. They weren't getting pucks through from the from the top. So those are things that they're looking at as well. And, and I think the key to that, I, I think their second unit was actually pretty good for a lot of the season, but they have to get Bill Kessel Oliver Ekman Larson and Taylor Hall working in unison. Those are three very talented players that could do some damage if they could ever figure out how to complement each other. Uh, a few more things, net front presence. You hear Rick Tockett saying this all the time. Guys have to go to the net. John McClain sort of refined that a little bit saying it's more about funneling to the net, choosing the right time, you know, whether that's timing when a puck's going to get there. So you get there at the same time or, you know, those sliding screens, but you have to be willing to go to those dirty areas. And that is, that's going to be accentuated so much more in the postseason. It always is. That's where a lot of the goals are going to be scored. So they're going to need to do that. And then the last two things, um, playing fast, this is something that they've wanted to do the entire season. Stop, you know, whenever you can, avoid the controlled breakouts. Just get the puck north when there's an opportunity. They thought they got away from this because they were tired later in the season. The schedule impacted that. So did injuries to their blue line. Uh, the defensemen that were left were playing heavy minutes, so – As as uh, Phil Housley told me, when you're tired, I think it was Phil Housley that told me anyway, when you're tired, you tend to, you know, play a little safer, you know, take the control breakout because you're just not thinking attack as much. It's more like, okay, settle things down. I'm tired. They need to think attack. That's when they're at their best. They are, as Rick Tockett said, a fast break team. And then the last thing, and we saw this in the Winnipeg game that they took a 2-0 lead in and and ended up losing 4-2. They got to convert more of their odd man rushes. They had a bunch in that game. They could have put that game away. It's about execution, but it's also about, you know, recognizing in the moment what the situation is and and maybe going maybe choosing your spot to receive a pass or whatever it is. They've got to convert a little better in that area.
2: It's it's interesting as you're talking. Well, first of all, what's interesting is as I think we should have a segment on the show that is just story time with Craig and you read one of your your articles in your professor should,
0: voice. It, okay, in a different voice I was going to yeah. say.
2: You got to do it in the professor voice. And also, Jamie, I feel like we need a screen grab of what Craig looks like with this pink headset so we can somehow send it to his class so it pops up on on the slideshow or whatever. Um, No, what what is interesting, though, is you have this reset and you would think, at least on paper, it's going to help any team that added a big piece during the season that maybe was trying to adjust to that big piece on the fly. Nobody added a bigger piece during the season than the Coyotes. And what you're saying, the power play wasn't, Wasn't as bad probably as it seemed numbers wise by the end of the year, but they never really seemed to have OEL and Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel and Clayton Keller all on the same page on the power play. And I'm not saying they're magically going to have that, but I do wonder this is almost like it's almost like a new season is starting up. It's almost like Taylor Hall has played a half a season with the Coyotes now, and now everybody on every team is starting up for a new, albeit very short season. I wonder what they can do with that. And to your point of adding 0.3 goals per game, that's not just getting to the three-goal mark. You have to combine that with the fact that the Coyotes play good defense and have potentially great goaltending. So three goals for the Coyotes per game means a lot more than three goals for Chicago per game. Sorry, that's the only team I can think of that doesn't play any defense at all.
1: I like the analogy that you had there, Luke, of starting a new season because when we try to compare teams from the prior season to a new season, we always look to areas that the team can grow. Where can they add value that they didn't have last year? And that's what the top unit, power play unit, a top power play unit can do here for the Coyotes. If you mentioned all of those names, there's a ton of talent on, on that unit. They need to be able to be a little bit more consistent overall uh, in that spot. But it's interesting because it feels like in some ways this is a broken record. It feels like how many years in a row have we talked about net front presence needing to be better? How many years in a row have we talked about more power play consistency? But it's a factor, and it's something that they need to do better. And I think one um, one of the ones that was really interesting to me. Uh, was your last point, Craig, about the odd man rushes because it's tough to – I mean, you have you have a chart here to try to quantify it a little bit, but it's tough to quantify the exact amount of – it just feels like so many times they've got three-on-ones, two-on-zero, two-on-ones, and there's either a bad pass or there's – there's like they don't know what they're going to do until they get within five or six feet of the goaltender, and then at that point they're either just quickly shooting the puck because they went, oh, no, I ran out of room, or they're trying some miracle hero pass. There needs to be more confidence, especially from these top players. They are one of the fastest teams in hockey. And I don't know, I, and I forgot what team, Craig, you brought it up earlier in the season that they talked about how they were surprised by the Coyotes' speed and about just how quick that they hit you. They need to use that to their advantage because now they have speed and they have skill. But it sometimes feels like their play speed and their processing speed are going at two different wavelengths. And if those come together, and I think they will help with arrested and now more comfortable Taylor Hall, arrested and now presumably more healthy Phil Kessel, that'll start to come together when those high-end players start to click as well. But like there were times early in the season, I brought up a bunch where Phil Kessel, and I mean, I mean to think way back to October at this point, but where Phil Kessel was making some really, just really nifty plays and hitting guys on the tape of their stick for open shots and they were just missing them, they weren't ready for the passes, they, were, they didn't know what to do when they got them. They've had, This team missed out on a lot of opportunities. They left a lot of goals on the ice that, were not, that are reasonably expected to be had more often than not. And I think that when we talk about value adds and their ability to add to what they were doing before and what is different between now and when the season ended, if they're able to shore up those things and their skill level and their mental processing of what's happening matches up to their actual foot speed, they're a dangerous team. I think a lot of
2: the, the lack of finishing that we saw, and it wasn't from everybody on the team, but there everybody, I mean, if you're a Coyotes fan, you can think of three or four guys that just seem to have a hard time finishing. They would do the hard work to get down the ice and get the opportunity. Like you guys are saying, you get the odd man rush. And then instead of making the shot, you would try to make an extra pass because you don't want to be selfish or you get so close to the net. You're like, oh, this is such a big deal. This goal is going to change the entire game. And, and I don't know if they're overthinking it or what. Obviously, these guys are all in the NHL. They know how to finish. They wouldn't be in this league and they wouldn't be playing on a team uh, like the Coyotes, who are you know, a, a team that, that does have a lot of talent and a lot of speed. But I think the biggest remedy to that, if they can do it, and they're going to have to because they don't have a choice, is building some sort of net front presence in the playoffs. And you guys are right. We've talked about this for years and years. But the teams they play against in the playoffs are going to do it. And if the Coyotes don't, they're going to be in trouble. And... What we don't want to see is this moment getting so big, not that they're going to get run off the ice or not be able to play well, but where when they get a chance to score, they almost overthink it and think, oh, this goal, there's so much riding on it because these are the playoffs or whatever. The best way to mitigate that is to do what Connor Garland does and go to the net and have somebody shoot the puck and it goes off your shin or something into the goal. All of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, maybe it's not that hard to finish a chance. That's what they're going to have to do. They're not going to be able to beat Nashville one nothing three games out of five.
0: Yeah. And that's so much a part of it. As I said earlier, some of it is timing. It's the guys like Connor Garland are not guys who are going to hang out in the slot. And granted, you don't take as much of a beating as it used to in the NHL, but he's not the kind of guy who can just stand in there and just get cross-checked in the back repeatedly. He's probably not going to stay in the lineup very long. They have a few guys like that. Carl Soderbergh's a guy like that who can do it. But some of these guys need to think more in terms of darting, timing their, their, uh, forays to the net. Connor Garland, Clayton Keller clearly is a guy that needs to go to the net more than he does. That's the way the Coyotes are going to win in the postseason.
2: Well, and a lot of it goes to how this team was constructed. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm on board entirely. I have been the the whole time of building this team around speed. But sometimes when you build around speed, you sacrifice the size and the physicality in front of the net. And like a guy like Patrick Maroon, the Coyotes don't really have a Patrick Maroon that's just going to plant himself in front of the net and score this ugly goal. But they have guys that can do it more than they're doing it. And yeah, like Carl Soderbergh, I actually feel like has been one of the best guys they've had at it. Taylor Hall gets to the net. He's not huge. Connor Garland is tiny and he gets to the net. He's just, he's smart about it. So they're going to have to get crafty because where they have the advantage in
1: speed, other teams are going to have the advantage of size in front of the net. And look, I, I know it's an oversimplification, but there is a reason why the, the construction of playmaker sniper power forward lines gained so much popularity. And now there's an argument to be made that there are very few true power forwards left in the NHL. There just others just aren't that many that play that role like they did 10 years ago. But taking advantage of, I guess, again, those those dirty goals. They all count the same, right? That that, that, that beautiful wrist yeah. shot from the point or a few wrist shot from the top of the circle or a bounce off of uh, Connor Garland's nose all count the same. Uh, and they, they need to be able to take advantage of that more often. And that will probably help them a little bit too. Even with their skilled players, you're moving so fast, you're getting pucks on net, but you're getting one chance. There are a lot of times they get one chance on net. There, there's not a lot of follow-up opportunity. And to kind of underscore how long we've been talking about this, it just popped in my head. I remember when, at, for a brief period of time, they, were, they put Ed Jovanovsky in front of the net uh, to try to make him the net front presence in a brief, in a, in a brief stretch there. I mean, this has just been... It's, I mean, look, nobody's going to be Tomas Holmstrom anymore, like, but they need somebody that's at least willing to do that enough alongside those skilled players to finish up on those opportunities where the goalie has to make an athletic save and can't control the rebound but is able to make that initial save that's just a save on the coyotes right now for more yeah. often than not
2: um we got a lot of listener questions so anything else on the coyotes like we'll get more into them obviously in the next couple of weeks but before we we transition over i do just want to bring up the importance of this series which i know seems like a, a simple thing to say because they're important to all 16 of these teams that are playing the qualifying round but I mean, the Coyotes have not won a playoff series in eight years. I think even if they win this best-of-five series, and it, it sort of showed up in your piece on Taylor Hall too, Craig. Obviously, he hasn't been on the Coyotes for all these years, but he hasn't had a lot of playoff success either, mostly through no fault of his own. Just winning the series against Nashville, I think, would do wonders for this franchise right now, even if that only put them in the top 16. And yes, I understand it would cost them a 1-8 and eight chance at the number one overall pick, but I don't care. They need to win.
0: I agree, I think they need this for the growth of the players on the ice and and they need it for the franchise for the bottom line and we talked about this on the last show. I really think that this series it, it, it sounds overly dramatic, but I think this series defines whether this season was a success or a failure
1: absolutely. I mean, we said on the last show we talked about it it's, It absolutely does because you have to take the whole season into context, and you have to take the fact that they are. Uh, they wouldn't have made the playoffs if the season had stopped on the day that the league paused because of where they were record-wise, and, and considering that with the assets you paid to get Taylor Hall, you bring in Phil Kessel, you now you have two good, two great goalies. You look at the team and you go, "This team has to take that next step." This is the next step for this team is making and winning a postseason series. Now they they got a chance to make it. Because of this instance, because there's no guarantee they would have made it if they would have finished out the season. I mean, points percentage wise, they wouldn't have. So, I mean, there, there's some talk there. But now, that to actually have this season be a success, you have to win this series. And I know it feels arbitrary, but and I know that it's easy to make an excuse now because we've had four months off and all the weird and all the weird and terrible things that are happening in the world. It's very easy to forget and make that excuse for them. But if they don't win a playoff series, which to me is equals making the playoffs in a normal season. This year was a failure. Yeah, There's no other I, way to look at it. And, it would have been a failure there, without Taylor Hall. It's absolutely a failure after the Taylor Hall trade. There, there's a lot of
2: nuance, and, and Craig has detailed this in the past. We've talked about it on the show. You, you can certainly make the case that they were trending in the right direction when the season paused, but regardless, I, I think this would be a different conversation if they were where Edmonton is right now. If the Coyotes were three points out of first in the Pacific and they were the five seed in the Western Conference, but because of everything that happened, they have to play this qualifying round, and they lost in the first round then it would be different. Then I wouldn't view this season as, as a failure. But the fact that, fair or not, they were outside of the top eight when the season got paused, and now they have a chance to make up for that. If, if they don't, then, yeah, you're gonna, it's, it's just it's going to be graded harshly. I think it would be different if you, were, if you were clearly one of the best teams in the regular season, and then just this weird scenario you could point to and say, this is, this is why we didn't win. We hadn't played in four months. But now, in the Coyotes' case, this is actually a second chance.
1: And look, and just to boil it down to one point, this team has too much talent on it to not go further. There, there's too many. You've two great goalies. You've got Taylor Hall. You've got Phil Kessel. I've, I've liked the way Schmall's played this year. I like the way DeVore. I mean, you have, there's too much talent on this team to basically be a non-playoff team at yeah. this point. It's just it's not, It's not acceptable any longer. We mentioned
2: this uh, last week, even Nashville's a really good hockey team. But if you just look at paper and you don't even look at, you know, you don't say, oh, this is the Coyotes and their past playoff success or lack of success. No, oh, this is Nashville. And they were in the cup a couple years ago. If you just look at the players, yeah, Nashville has Roman Yossi and they have a pretty good hockey team. But wouldn't you typically take the team with Taylor Hall and really good goaltending and Phil Kessel and Oliver Ekman Larson? I mean, on paper, that's a team that should be able to win a playoff series unless you're facing like Boston or somebody like that. All right, here's a lot of listener questions. We will start with Rose. What's more that's-so-coyotes? Winning their first cup that other fan bases will invalidate due to the play-in or winning the first overall pick in a year when doing so will cause other GMs' heads to explode? Shout out to Stevie Y.
0: This should be a poll question, and and I'll actually retweet it if you post it, Rose.
1: <laughs> so I've thought about this because, I mean, I like Lafreniere, but there, there is something to be said about the Coyotes finally getting a number one pick in a draft with really no number one pick being a center. Uh, is I, I don't know if you could twist yourself into making Quentin Byfield that pick. I I, I can't myself based on what I've read. I'm not gonna tell them, like I've watched more than like three games that Byfield's played in his life. But um, but that would be kind. That would be kind of hilarious um, at that point. But uh, I don't think I, I don't care what anybody says or any pundits or any fans or whatever. Winning a cup is winning a cup, and I don't care how you do it. it, it it's, it's forever, yep. and there, there is absolutely not cheapened. Um, I understand some people might feel that way if anybody outside of the top eight uh, gets that, but it is absolutely not cheapened, and I think the penalty of playing a fifth series after not playing hockey for four months more than makes up for the fact that they maybe were two or three points back of a playoff spot. Yeah, th- completely this is agree. Just,
0: I think it's more difficult.
1: Exactly. I'm with you, Craig. This is not just a tournament they're playing with no regular season. These teams
2: played 70 games. If Montreal wins the Stanley Cup or if the Stanley Cup is marred by one team being fully healthy and the other team has a bunch of players testing positive and they're pulling up guys off their practice squad or whatever to to fill out the series, okay, then maybe I'll look at it differently. But as as the way things are set right now, basically if 22 of these 24 teams, if any of those 22 win the Cup, I'm going to say if anything, it was harder this year than it typically is because – You played basically a full season, and most likely you had to win an extra playoff series. At the very least, you had to take a four-month break in the middle of it when you were already playing pretty well. Along those lines, here's Jeffrey Travis Twyman. That's a lot of names. So I want the Yotes to win. It's the best outcome. But if they lose, and with Hall win the first pick, is there any scenario they trade back, maybe with Ottawa for three and five, knowing they'll get one, if not two, future number one centers? Or do they take the scoring wing? This is interesting. I'm not making um, the trade, but if Ottawa was picking two and five, I might consider it.
0: Yeah, Ottawa's not making that trade, but no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no if sure you that. could get two centers instead of Lafreniere, I, I might do it. I might do it because they need centers Man, so badly.
1: But who's the second center you're taking there besides Byfield? Well, there's Rossi? a couple different names out there. I mean, I mean, I think at that point, I mean, because uh, Byfield's probably going two, though. That's the problem. Like yeah. Ottawa was
2: picking two and five,
1: they could you can have that conversation, right? yeah i mean where' that point be like jamie Drysdale the defenseman i mean to to me it's you you always take the best player available um and if it's close you default to the you you default to the the more difficult positions like center um i don't know i i don't the thing is it, it, it's tough without actually being in that room i don't i am not a professional scout. Breaking news. Um, I don't know what the grade difference between Lafreniere is, and maybe you know a Byfield or some of the other guys that that are at the top of the draft. There, if it's close, I understand, and we've kind of seen that strategy in a way of if it's very close, lean towards building up that center depth. But if it's not that close, I don't think you reach or trade back just because they're a center.
2: Yeah, that's fair. As much as you need it. I think I uh, Ottawa would be the only team I'd even consider because they have the two top 5 picks. I, I don't think you would you would even consider anything else where like oh yeah we got you know so and sos we got the 7th pick but we also got a first rounder next year like no if, if you actually got the number 1 pick you're taking Lafreniere what 95% of the time but there's at least the conversation if Ottawa was picking 2 and 5 or 2 and 4 that in the position the Coyotes are in because they do have a lot of wings maybe they would maybe consider it I still don't think they would do it though.
1: Unless you maybe uh, find a team that would trade one of their, I mean, it wouldn't be the tippy top centers, but somebody that you believe could be your number one center.
2: If you're yeah, thinking of you can move pick
1: for it, if it's a Sasha Barkov, if it's somebody like that, uh, you know, you have to do a little bit of mental gymnastics to make that work for both sides. But if that scenario presents itself, that's more interesting to me than trading back. Uh, Los Coyote Steve, will Arizona qualify Hannah So we've already looked into
2: the off season, Craig.
0: My expectation is yes. Okay. Um. Uh,
2: other steve this is not los coyotes steve this is just steve do the teams in the play-ins have any contingency to bring in more players from the minors if they get hit with a wave of COVID, or do they just forfeit or would the league scrap the whole thing if it gets that bad
0: there's a lot of unknown yeah i don't know the answer to that question
1: i would say if the whole team gets it we're not finishing (laughs) the postseason i would say i'm pretty confidently saying that that that's that would be a probably a non-starter On all of that front, but uh, I'm not sure. Actually, do they have? Did they announce that they're going to have expanded uh, expanded rosters? Like was discussed earlier, like above the 23.
0: Yeah, they they have all the Black Aces are in camp. Uh, The Coyotes actually uh, announced their training camp roster while we were on the air. But in terms of that calamity, I don't know. I haven't seen you know, any. Like, news if on it's that
1: one yet. or two, yeah. which, by the yeah. way, which, they're not going to tell us, so it's going to be these players are going to mysteriously disappear uh, yeah. during the postseason. Um, then I don't think. Then you're just going to have to, just like it would be an injury, you just have to kind of deal with it and, and fight through it. If it's if it's if it's a outbreak, we're not finishing the postseason, so it's not going to matter anyway.
2: It's like they, I I give the listeners a lot of credit every week for listening to us, but also these questions are in almost chronological order as if they were like putting segues between them. Because Sarah's question is with the excitement of everything that's happened with the return to play and the CBA, what is your optimism level for a Stanley Cup being awarded this year? There's still hurdles, but what's your percent level?
1: Well, there are no hurdles in the postseason
2: because the Sharks aren't playing. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) My optimism level just went down because of, of that pun.
1: I got you. Uh, I would say now that they've picked two Canadian cities, I would say I'm probably up to about ninety percent that they that they award the cup this year.
0: I'm there too, simply because it's nice to have a neighboring country that has managed COVID well.
2: Yeah, I I, I keep going back to this, uh, not necessarily on this show, but just on the air throughout the week. There's there's a lot of European soccer going on, and they're not even playing in a bubble. I think what the NHL has on their side, I think the NHL and the NBA have the advantage over baseball and football right now because they're going to play in bubbles. But also, to your point, guys... This, these series are not going to be played in the US and as much as I hate that and as much as I'd love to be at these or at least know that they're going on in Vegas or whatever close by in this given environment that increases the chance that they actually play out the playoffs and are able to award the cup so yep. in this case you know got you got to do what you what you can do and uh, Canada presents a real possibility for the US, or for for the NHL rather to get this done so Gives I would best go chance. I'd probably go around 90% too. I definitely think they have the best chance of any sport. And look, there's so many variables, but yeah, I would probably go pretty close to 90%. Gertrude von Lichtenstein.
0: Ah, there you are, Gertrude. Do you
2: think veteran players will perform better at the beginning of the restart?
0: You know, there's so many theories here. Um, there's there's some theories that the, the older guys might take a little longer to get going a la Shane Doan. <laughs> The, the train that, you know, was slow leaving the station and slowly picks up steam as the season wears along. But they also maybe have a better mental understanding of what it's going to take right here. So I, I honestly don't know what the answer is to that. But I can certainly say that the guys who did a better job of maintaining their conditioning yes. and their, their physical shape are the guys that are going to succeed in this postseason.
1: That's the answer. We just don't know who those players are, but that's the answer. The, the players that have been skating the most, that have stayed in the best shape, uh, whether and to me, I think that that's going to be the deciding factor.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, we heard from Oliver Ekman Larson this week talking about how he's been able to to sort of get some training in over in Sweden because Sweden reopened so long ago.
1: I think did it's they ever be, close? I, yeah, yeah I'm about I to say they, they, their their whole group thing thing didn't work either. No. Yeah, <laughs> no,
0: no, the herd immunity thing, uh, yeah, but, didn't pan out yeah. so well for their numbers.
2: That turned out to not be a, a, a real thing, but um, but who you know, could have Sweden? The guys who who got to work out and got to to practice or whatever, and and whether that means on the ice or it just means they were disciplined at home or whatever, there was a story on ESPN the other day and it was actually directed more at baseball, but it was essentially being disciplined right now in the middle of all this is a huge competitive advantage. And whatever team has been the most disciplined and the most intelligent and and doing everything they can to avoid getting sick but also staying in shape, that's a competitive advantage. and That's not something we're really going to know until the games start. I don't think it's going to be as easy as saying, well, this guy's been in the league for 14 years and this guy's been in the league for 3 years so the guy that's been in the league 14 years is going to be better off it's just going to be a combination of how smart they were and how disciplined they were but also you know where they've been living for the past couple months too that's that's unfortunately going to play a, a role in this and that's not universal necessarily for any team coachie's jack what's your dream classic muscle car he says he likes the 78 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am and the 70 Chevy Chevelle LS6. I would say Jamie likes a smart car that has one door. <laughs> yeah, this, this question is so outside
1: of my... Uh, Same
0: here. I'm the furthest thing from a muscle car guy, so I'll defer. Luke?
1: Uh, i can I'll come like, back to this. I could like top off my coolant <laughs> and take it to a mechanic. That's the I can extent my of my... Tire. Tire. For some no, reason, I I do, yeah, think, yeah, I could do that, but like, cars. I can't. I don't. I'm not a not even remotely a car guy. Uh,
2: Christina writes back: 66 Dodge Charger with the 426 Hemi. Okay, yeah, yeah we'll go works. with that. I I do like the old Chargers. <laughs> I do. I actually like the old Mustangs too. I don't even really like the new Mustangs, but the old Mustangs. That's there's. I don't know what the year is, and I'm guessing these guys do. But there's a year where it cut off from being like, okay, a car is like. It's, it's a big deal, and I don't want to say status symbol because I think that's, that's a cheap way of, of building your status, but just like it was a collector's item and it was, it was a statement to this gets me to work. And I don't know what year that was, but uh, I think it's when we switched over to plastic and there was a lot less chrome on all the cars. Booper, if you all had to be quarantined in a hotel for one month, what hotel would you choose and in what city? I would assume these are NHL cities.
0: Well, if, if we're assuming it's an NHL city, I'm gonna go with the Fairmont Pacific Rim in Vancouver. It's the best hotel in the NHL, and actually a number of players will tell you that as well. If I'm picking any hotel in the world, I'm gonna go with the Belmont Hotel Splendido in Portofino on the Italian Riviera. Bougie. I can't afford it. It's I like don't a know. thousand it's like a thousand bucks a night.
2: We haven't we didn't explain this to the listeners, but Craig was eating banana nut muffins off of individual. No, there were no
0: nuts plates. in them, Luke. Oh, I do not be? sully my baked goods with he, nuts. I thought had, you knew this.
2: He had an assistant come by and pluck all of the nuts yeah. out of each muffin.
0: Don't come at me with nuts.
2: They were they were in individual little glass plates. So if anybody's staying on wherever that hotel was in Italy of the three of us, yeah, it's
1: like, Craig. Yeah, you that's know, like seventeen year subscriptions a night. That's crazy. Um <laughs> Uh, uh, I am not far enough along uh, my life journey to know any that math checks out hundred dollar wow. a night hotels. <laughs>
2: um, I would just, if I have to be quarantined in a hotel room, I just wanted to have a view of, of the beach. How's that? Like normally I, I that's know a that's good the, the response is yeah, like, like Oh, hope. Nashville or Vegas. Most players you ask, those are the cities they like to go to. Yeah. Like can't do anything now. yeah so what's the point? Nashville, Vegas, mm-hmm. and Vancouver. Um, but, yeah, I would just want to be somewhere that you can see the beach and preferably the Pacific Ocean over the Atlantic.
0: There's really sort of a, a tailor-made follow-up question to this among the questions. I don't know if you're heading there, but if you're not, then let me know. Well, I don't <laughs> know what it is. So okay, <laughs> if you had to watch a sitcom about three Coyotes players quarantining together, which three would you pick and why? I know who my three are, but who would you pick, Luke?
2: Um, okay. So are we assembling this in the sense of these guys have the three just most entertaining personalities Uh, or that's, that's where I'm going with it. Okay. So we're not necessarily thinking how they would work together.
0: No, I I mean, it's more for entertainment value.
2: Um, I think, I mean, I think Jason Demarest has to be in there. He's on my list. I I know you're going to have Brad Richardson on your list. He's on my list. Yes. And I'm guessing you're going to have Christian Fisher on your list. That's
0: my three. Very well done. Very well. How
1: about all time?
0: Oh, All man. time, man. Keith Kachuk <laughs> is in that room, <laughs> yeah. trashing it probably. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think for the practical jokes, Ray Whitney needs to be in the conversation. Yeah, yeah,
0: Ray Whitney was the, the
1: hidden camera practical jokes. Keith Yandel, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Those, those are good yeah.
0: choices right there. Those if, are if good you, choices. If you just had Yandel
2: and Kachuk, you could just call it two Keiths and set it in Boston somewhere. But I, I, honestly, if you look back at the Coyotes teams in like the early 2010s, some of the personalities on oh, that team—so many. I mean. It gives it gives you a better appreciation for what Shane Doan had to do as captain when you look at like, <laughs> oh yeah, I've got Yandel and I've got Ilya Brisgalov, who probably uh-huh. should be in there somewhere, and yeah, Ray Whitney at certain points, and yeah, there's there were a lot of personality. Paul Bisnett is certainly a personality. Yeah. I mean, that's all of those guys were they were all on the. uh I guess they weren't all on the 2012 team, but they were all playing together at certain points around there, or at least some combination of them were.
0: One of the shticks of this show would be how often Christian Fisher changed his underwear. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently, but the legend is anyway, it, it doesn't happen often.
2: Well, we it would have to have one of those, like it would have to have that confessional setup where you had like little <laughs> interviews yep. with Brad Richardson where he could explain what was going on. <laughs> exactly, uh, I oh, thought Actually,
0: I would absolutely watch this show um eldon
2: top two fast food restaurants the correct answers are chick-fil-a and in and out or maybe i just
1: have a thing for Mm. hyphens Mm. you have a thing for hyphens um
0: yeah no i I can't get past uh i'm sorry i can't get past chick-fil-a's social stances yeah (laughs) i can't do it i I mean
1: that's the, the thing yeah, I mean, even strictly on food, the I, I still think the best chicken sandwich is the one from Popeyes. Now,
0: yeah, okay, you've had that now because that is outstanding. Both is. for spicy and regular. Great, set. Yeah. agreed, completely agreed. Yeah, I, I and and far as burgers, uh, In and Out is fine. It's 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 too dry. Perfectly for me. Okay,
1: it's a replacement dry. level burger joint.
0: Five Guys. I'm a Five Guys. Oh come on. I'm a Five Guys guy. And if we're talking fast food burgers, which is better?
2: Yeah, you're taking Five Guys over In and Out.
0: I am absolutely. There's juice. I haven't had either of in and out is dry. In
1: like is dry. Yeah. I don't dislike in nah, and out I just I don't like don't have this cult feeling that people have for it. It is the most okay burger restaurant of all time. I'll send your hate mail to at Jamie Eisner on Twitter.
0: No, you can send it to me too. And then as far as Mexican, I'll go with more of a local chain. I like Filibertos. I
1: 100% agree. Angus beef, baby. Could not agree more.
0: Their carne asada is really good.
1: The super nachos are to die for. Oh, have you had you the, might had actually the die nachos for? with carne asada beef? Yep.
0: Oh, that's, that's that? incredible. It's, right, yeah, no, It's like 4,000 calories,
1: but yeah, it doesn't matter. it's true matter,
0: food it's, coma.
2: Yes. <laughs> are we missing any burgers? in and out I would say, is good, but slightly overrated. I don't know what the NHL player equivalent of that would be, but he's definitely out there, and hopefully he's listening, and he's like, oh, that's me. But I feel like we're missing other burgers. I haven't had five guys in like a year because everything's been shut well, like, down.
1: What other changes? I mean, there's what smash Smashburger, smash
0: burger. Yeah. The, the, the,
1: then there's the big, you know, Burger King, McDonald's, yeah. Wendy's. That, that's what Craig eats before who eat shows, Burger so. King. I yeah. mean, come on. I will say though right now of the big three, I think the Whopper is the best burger of the big three. If we just, if we're just including McDonald's, Wendy's and Burger King, I think not, the Whopper a, not a sponsor of the best. show, but they could be certainly no. they, could if be, McDonald's one of the How do we feel about Carl's Jr.?
0: I'm not a Carl's Jr. fan. Not at all. Yeah. I, would I don't know wear, I, would, are are Whataburger. I don't like Whataburger either. No,
1: Whataburger no. doesn't do anything for me No, no Well, we're, we're getting to Patrick that Patrick Mahomes can take that to, to Kansas with him Or, I guess, Missouri But You
0: can take it wherever um, he wants now
1: Yeah I can't find yeah, the, the can buy, I Just buy did. one you can
0: buy the chain, yes okay, Put one here. in his house Here's Greg
2: Greg says, what side of the debate are you guys on? Whataburger or In-N-Out? I'm firmly on the In-N-Out side of that If I had to pick between those two, it would be In-N-Out but...
0: I'd, I'd pick five guys Sorry
1: just, that's, that's not an option we'll see. It is for me I make It's my interesting own to me. It's, it's – I don't really go out for burgers very often. Nah. Like usually it's because I got a coupon or I just make them at home. Like it's, um, it's like one of those weird things where I'll go out for pizza. I'll go out for Mexican food. I'll go out for Chinese food. Like I don't want to go really I, – I don't know. I feel like burgers are not the – are more right. like the last resort option, not the ideal I'm planning on going out and getting a meal option. Part of Even that is to... you can
0: make good burgers at home. It's hard to make some of that other stuff really yeah. well at home. You can make a good burger at home on the grill. Yeah.
2: Pizza's a little bit tougher. Yeah. It, 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 Pizza's well, yeah. really hard. Yeah. In fairness to Whataburger, if you're looking for breakfast burritos at like, I don't know, 12 o'clock at night,
1: they obviously have an advantage over In-N-Out because In-N-Out doesn't make it. Oh, go, go to uh, Filiberto's, my dude. Go get one of their – get the giant breakfast burritos like 6 bucks. You can get it with bacon in it or you can get chorizo. You can get sausage. You can get none of the meat if you don't want. And they're open okay. 24 hours, and they're literally everywhere, and there's all the fake ones that call themselves other iterations of Berto's. And There, it's, is, it's great. there is one right
2: down the street, so maybe, I don't know. It's, I'm getting hungry the, the longer we do this show. We're almost at the three-hour mark, so <laughs> yeah, so we're com- coming up what, an hour and a half now? Um, Chris, who or what will fill in for a missing chair when Napkin Jummy escapes our clutches and shuffles off to Chicago in the autumn of our years? Wow, that was I, Robert I, Frost wrote in.
0: I think um an empty chair will suffice. Luke, your yeah. thoughts.
2: We can find pretty much anybody. I'm I'm not concerned about it. That's uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe Lehman back. The first person we see at Philly Bertos. The only problem with Lehman is he might talk you up and that's always a risk with him. Mm. He might say, Oh, I'm I'm so honored to be asked to fill in for Jamie. Yeah, well I guess he's correct. Uh this is Greg who wrote the uh the Whataburger question. Also Greg who sent us the bingo card back in the day. In theory, what would a trade look like for Jack Eichel from the Coyotes' perspective mainly, but also around the league? And why does Buffalo get a continuous pass while AZ gets crapped on by Canadian media? Um, I I have a theory. I think Canadian media sees Buffalo as, like, they don't like Buffalo because the Sabres are kind of an embarrassment, but they're kind of like family because they're so close to Canada. It's a border town,
0: yeah. Yeah, they're
2: they're like the little brother that they're not really proud of, but they are, at the end of the day, still family.
0: Um, I think that's a good answer.
1: Yeah, it is. I uh, do think
0: they get crapped on, though. Actually, I think people are less aware of it and more sensitive to attacks on the Coyotes. Buffalo takes plenty of abuse.
1: Yeah, especially they take now. it from everybody, though. Not but they the should team. get more. They still should get more. Yeah, um, I, I think from a and it's tough to do hypotheticals from a Coyotes perspective, but uh, if they were to win the number one overall pick, I think that would be a much easier start to negotiations than anything they currently have.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if if you gave Buffalo Lafreniere and I, you'd have to give him something else, obviously, for Eichel. Um,
1: but I do wonder. But that also not probably like means I think, no Taylor Hall. I mean, we have to talk about how the cap situation that that puts you in yeah. immediately. So, <laughs> right.
2: It's been the one good thing for with with the cap for Coyotes fans over the years. They never have to think about it. Now you actually do have to think about it. I don't think Buffalo's trading Jack Eichel anytime no, soon. They're not. But if they continue to struggle and they continue to switch GMs maybe the next GM does come in and is like the next one in a year or two or something looks around and says, we got to blow this up and the best way for them to get a bunch of pieces obviously would be Eichel. But I just don't know why you trade number one
1: center unless that next GM is Peter Chiarelli. <laughs> you do that only if you're literally deciding you're, you're not competing for the next five, six years. I mean, well, that's the only way. reason you do that. Yeah. But, but you yeah. have to truly believe that. Um, dangle snipe belly with the new cap
2: structure. How super screwed are the Coyotes?
0: Mm, they're not in a good spot. I'll say yeah. that. They, they have to make some significant moves to even to re-sign Taylor Hall. But with a flat cap, at least for next season, they're in a tough spot. After that, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, their cap situation clears up quite a bit. But mm-hmm. next season, it's going to be a rough go. And let, going back to what we talked about with the CBA and, and reduced NHL revenue, um, it could be really particularly hard on smaller market teams. And again, if you want to read more about that, read James Myrtle's terrific piece today in the Athletic.
2: Yeah, I would say too. If you go to cap friendly and look at the way the Coyotes have their contracts structured beyond this year, like you just said, Craig, it's it's clear that John Chyka did this with a plan in mind. And nobody obviously could plan for what is going on around the world right now. But when he signed these contracts, it wasn't just like, oh, this seems like a good deal. Got to get him signed. Oh, let's do this. Oh, let's you know, let's. Let's uh, trade Artemi Panarin for Brandon Saad, or let's not give so and so his uh, his paperwork in time, or let's just use hey Dustin Bufflin. or I don't know. Hey I'm just now, going out this, this is
0: just so hurtful. <laughs>
2: uh, more from Dangle Snipe, Belly. Okay. Any thoughts about the trash type of people that would judge players for opting
0: out? I think we've already covered that, actually. Yeah, yeah. we are. I just I'm making sure
1: I read the questions now. So just, just remember at the end of the day, if you feel compelled to to. Um, comment on a player's decision like that remember you are doing that because you believe that your entertainment is more important than that player's or that player's family health and livelihood so just remember that when you make those comments unless you're coming
0: from the perspective that the whole thing's still a hoax oh well
1: well those people are so far
0: gone at this point still out there baby it's still out there
2: uh are daiquiris the best fun summer alcoholic drink I don't think da- I've ever had a daiquiri. No, Daiquiris are
0: okay, but they're, they're, no, yeah, no, go go ahead, Jamie.
1: Honestly, I think so. There, there's two options. There's, and I think I they're have both three. beer-ish. Um, huh. I I like the and the, both uh, one of them is Arizona-related, a big blue van, um, which is okay. I, I believe is a great summer beverage. And then one that I have in the fridge right now, which I just saw, it's like a Jack Daniel's peach, and it's like a I, like a hard peach tea with a splash of whiskey in it, and it's really good. It's a really refreshing yeah. summer beverage.
0: Okay, I like margaritas. I like Long Island yeah. iced teas, and, of course, we all like mules. I think a we, mule, is mule is a good really summer drink. Yeah. It's a good, a good summer all, drink.
1: It's a good all-time drink. True. Mule
2: on the beach would be great. Yeah. Um, what was the second one you said, Craig? Long Island, Long Island. iced teas. Yeah, those, are, those are intense. Margarita's they are intense. Yeah, you only need attention. one. You only Especially, need one especially if you go to the Q club. Exactly I what remember? I'm thinking. Yeah. Yes. The first time I ever had one right. was a Q club. And I didn't really know what a long Island iced tea was. So I thought it was just some alcohol mixed with iced tea. And I was like,
1: I'll have nine of those. And right. I yeah. yeah, yeah. Up yeah. And then the, the, yes. the late hit between those. And then like, you like, Oh, I'll get a trash can. And just yeah. throw a whole can yeah. of, of red bull in there. And this, this one, this night will end great. <laughs> um, and also how is the subscriber base for
2: Craig's new site compared to his expectation?
0: Promising, promising start. That's uh. That's good. Thank you very, all once very, again. Very good to hear,
2: uh, Mike. Now that we know what the salary cap will look like going forward, does that give you any clues as to chances of Hall re-signing?
0: Yeah, it's kind of what, sort of what we've been expecting for a little while now. I mean, it doesn't help. It doesn't help, but a lot of other teams are in a tough situation. And you know, I, I've looked at a couple teams like Colorado and Calgary um, and thought, well, you know, in particular, Colorado has a lot of cap space, but. Ryan Clark uh, did a, an examination of what they need to do over the next two seasons. And when you start breaking it down, they don't have as cut, much cap space for the future as you might think. So even Colorado would have to do some finagling to make Taylor all work.
2: Okay. Um, that question about the sitcom came from Coyote in Philly. So I just want to give him his, his fair due AZ puck diva. We have started to see players opt out of the return to play any coyotes likely to do so. I have not heard that if there are, I have not either. Um, Mitch, say some of the Coyotes lose to Nashville and somehow manage to win the lottery. Okay, this is similar. Wow, we had two of the same question of would they trade to Ottawa for picks three <laughs> and five. That's interesting. Uh, A. Smith, which fan base media has the most delusional hopes for this year's playoffs, and why is it Edmonton? I like
0: this one. <laughs> it's Edmonton. And Edmonton's on the list, but, I mean, you, you got to put Toronto on that list, right? Yeah. I, you might put Vancouver. huh? What do the, all those cities have in common? Yeah. And then... You might even put Philadelphia in the mix, thanks to Ken Campbell, who I think had a uh, story predicting them as Cup champions. Or not so much predicting, but making a case for them as Cup champions.
2: Well, the, the only the thing fl- is, a couple of those teams are pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Like Vancouver's cut- not winning the Cup.
1: Is so Philadelphia you know, a
0: Cup contender? I don't think so. I don't. I don't maybe think it's they just are. a
1: blind spot with me. I know. I know the run they went on in the second half of the season before the pause, but
0: and they have I, goaltending.
1: But I just, I don't know. I just, I there's, I don't know. I just feel, feel like they're right. not as good yeah. as those those top. I feel like they're in that in that second tier. Like they yeah. could, but I don't feel like they're that number. They're a top tier team.
2: This is yeah. what I'll say about Philadelphia: is if they win the cup, I will say that there should be an asterisk next to it. And this year didn't count. But <laughs> the the thing about them is nice. is they have underachieved for so long, so they are better than they've shown the last few years. Yeah. you're right. They do have goaltending now, which makes them legit, and they have a first round buy, which to me it puts you in in one of those eight spots that can win the cup. But more than any of those teams in the in the top eight, they got there just because they were on a on a tear and they had a ton of momentum. I would assume that momentum's gone because it was four months ago.
1: Yeah, I, I think they're the th- thing. I think they're the fourth best of those by
2: teams in the East. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Although, <laughs> never know what to expect from Tampa Bay when the playoffs start. That's true, especially if Stanfords misses time. Uh, Ian, last one. No questions. I'm just excited to hear some of my favorite hockey guys talk about actual real hockey again soon. Thanks Ian. Unless you're talking about another podcast, in which case I'm still happy for you, but that was
1: rude. Thanks Ian. Anything else guys? We are, uh, we're over an hour and a half. Uh, No, just, uh, uh, I'm excited that I'm hopeful, excited, ready for hockey to be back here in three weeks. And Hopefully everybody stays out there as as healthy as you can be. Um, hopefully everybody's you know doing as good as you can given these uncertain times. And hopefully we will have hockey back here very shortly as as a distraction.
2: This is what happens when there is hockey to talk about. We do hour and forty minute podcasts, and I'm not even going to apologize for it. I wish it had gone longer. I missed you guys that much, except Jamie. All right, that's going to do it for us for Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hat Trick Podcast.
1: AC Coyotes Insider.